Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Welcome in on a Tuesday. It's the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. I'm J.C. Sherbert with you. Taking you through all things Gamecocks here uh, on a Tuesday. It looks like um, there's a, a little more excitement out there in Gamecock land this week uh, after the 41-7 win at Vanderbilt. And then Auburn coming to town. Um, kind of did some preliminary look uh, work, I guess, looking at Auburn this year. Uh, I, I'll say this. I, I think they've got really good running backs Uh probably better than they have been talent-wise. Uh, and Tank Bigsby obviously had his coming-out party against Arkansas, 146 yards on 20 carries. Everybody knows about Tank. Uh, they have a kid, DJ Williams, who, you know, statistically the first two games wasn't special, but uh, his yards per carry got up uh, against the Razorbacks. Um, and Auburn had a, a pretty good day on offense uh, in the 30-28 to 28 win. They needed to because Arkansas almost beat them, probably should have at the end of the day. Uh, you know, and I don't know how good Arkansas's defensive line is. I, I know that the, they, they're pretty okay in the secondary just because, you know, they schemed up Mississippi State pretty well. I don't know that Auburn's passing offense went as far as they would have liked on Saturday. Uh, but I don't, I don't know defensive line front seven wise how good Arkansas is. Georgia, after a, a brilliant first half, Georgia the floodgate sort of opened uh, in that first game. So, you know, when you're kind of breaking it down, you kind of look and compare and contrast and try to come up with, uh, at least I do, various scenarios for the football game. Um, and so, like Will Muschamp said, I do think it's important that the Gamecocks, whatever the issues they had that needed to be corrected on the defensive line last Saturday or, you know, they better get that rolling real quick. Obviously when you play an offense like this, Chad Morris slash Gus Malzahn, eye discipline is very, very important. They have a lot of uh, eye candy, window dressing, whatever cliche you want to use to call it, uh, you know, and that can get you out of position real quick. And then with Bigsby and Williams, if they find a crease, you know, they're going to go pretty far. Um, South Carolina has to tackle well. You know, they have to uh, really get out there. You can't have a, a, a play like you did against Florida where Kadarius Tony goes 88 yards or however many yards, 80, 79 yards, uh, and you can't catch him. Maybe it was 67. It may not have been quite that far with Kadarius Tony in the Florida game. Um, I think it's funny, though, because I, I think this team's tackling pretty well. Uh, I, I just think it's funny that there's like, you know, certain stretches in the first two games where – or certain plays, actually, maybe a stretch. You could call it a stretch against Tennessee, um, the first drive of the second half for the Vols, uh, where they don't. But but the vast majority of it is good. Um, and I think that's kind of telling – that's kind of a microcosm of the season is that, you know, you'd think after an 0-2 start that this team just looked like crap all the time and they weren't all that good and all the players that were supposed to be good aren't good and everybody sucks, blah, blah, blah. But a closer look reveals that's not the case. Um, now, you got in an 0-2 hole because you made mistakes. You got an 0-2 hole because, you know, boneheaded moves, you know, 
mistakes, that kind of thing, uh, untimely errors on the part of the Gamecocks. Um, I'm not saying that's the only reason they lost, but, you know, you kind of look at that Tennessee game, it could have gone either way. Uh, and so if you're the Gamecocks, you know, you're, you're sitting there and you've got to you got to make sure that you continue to clean that up, those mistakes, because Auburn can make you pay. They will make you pay. I know they're sort of a struggling bunch right now in terms of, you know, what their expectations were this year. But I can guarantee you, just like South Carolina on Saturday, was looking forward to getting up to Vandy and, and getting well. I think Auburn's probably feeling the same way. They don't want to go to two and two because um, they have some, you know, if they drop to two and two, that's four games they played, one against Georgia, but then the other three, uh, it's kind of amazing how this works out, right, when you're when you're Auburn or Alabama or LSU or one of those schools, um, specifically Auburn and Alabama. Uh, you know, they get to, they got to open with Kentucky – Georgia, uh, but then, you know, they got to play Arkansas and South Carolina back-to-back before they have to dip back into the West and play your LSUs and Texas A&Ms and schools like that. I believe they have Tennessee on the schedule this year too. But, you know, so so if you're Auburn, you don't want to go back to two and two with the kind of the meat of your schedule left. That would be uh, that would be bad. I think people would be howling about Gus Malzahn down there and they're looking at this game as an opportunity. You know, Auburn's never lost to South Carolina as a member of the SEC. Um, so they're probably going to come in pretty confident. But eye discipline is very important for the Gamecocks on defense. Their D-line, you know, you can't have the what Muschamp said, high and soft uh, against this group. I don't I don't care how much their offensive line struggling because if you're out of position or you don't use good technique, you know, that, that this offense is designed to make you pay. Um, I don't know that Chad Morris, you know, through three games that I've seen that he's made that big of a difference. It kind of looks like the same Auburn offense to me, probably a little more pass happy. Uh, I will warn you that, you know, I've seen a lot of uh, social media posts and and comments about Bo Nix not being that good. I will tell you he is good. Uh, He may not be playing good, but he is a good quarterback. And you can't take him lightly coming in because eventually he's going to turn, he's going to find his rhythm and turn it around, you know, just like he did in some games last year. So, you know, I, I think it's an interesting matchup, you know, I really, really do, but I I will warn you, they have personnel. Schwartz is a really good receiver. Uh, Seth Williams is an outstanding receiver. You know, I mentioned their backs, but uh, it's a line of scrimmage league and, you know, South Carolina does have an advantage um, on the on the defensive line, I I I don't want to compare anybody to Vanderbilt this year, just because they're in a rough situation. For those that didn't know, they had to postpone their next game because of COVID, um, and and not having enough players to play. I mean, you're Vanderbilt to begin with, and then on top of that, of all the teams in the league, you're missing the most guys. <laughs> That's a recipe for disaster. Um, but. Uh, you know, I don't want to compare anybody to Vanderbilt, but, you know, compared to Florida and Tennessee, I, I think Auburn's offensive line is decidedly third if you were ranking those three groups. Um, and, and I think Florida, you know, when you talk to their people down there, their offensive line was a concern heading into the season. Um, but I, they do have a lot of veteran guys that have played a lot of football. You know, Auburn's had to kind of piece it together. They, they were really worried about this. And 
When Auburn has struggled under Gus Malzahn, their offensive line has been bad. Um, and they haven't had a mobile quarterback, so to speak. I mean, a guy that can get out there and really make yardage like Nick Marshall, um, you know, to run the ball. Uh, I think that, you know, they, they had that one stretch in 2017 with Jared Stidham, that quarterback. He's not the fleetest of foot, obviously. But, man, they were up front. They were good down the stretch, beating Georgia like they did, whipped their butt, uh, and then beat Alabama by two touchdowns. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, their backs got hurt and they couldn't run it well against Georgia in the Dome. And Georgia ended up going to the playoff. But, you know, just historically looking at Malzahn's offense, if, you, if you've got big issues up front, you know, and you don't have a lightning fast guy back there, you know, you got to kind of piece it together, window dressing, all that good stuff, and scratch it out. Now, against Arkansas, you know, they had – 400 and something yards, I think 446 yards of total offense, um, which wasn't bad, you know, led by Tank Bigsby, uh, 20 carries for 146 yards. Obviously, that's a big number for him. Uh, and obviously, if, if you get that, you know, you're going to want to feed him in Columbia. You know, you're going to want to get it to him. South Carolina's run defense has been pretty good this year, you know, pretty good this year in terms of uh, – rushing yardage and, and things of that nature, but this is a different animal. Uh, you know, I think Tennessee obviously likes to line up and run the football. They had the one drive where they kind of ran over Carolina uh, at some key moments. You know, Florida does like to run it, but, you know, when you have Trask and those receivers and you're being successful, you know, like you were, you're going to chunk it around a little more. Uh, and then Vanderbilt's Vanderbilt. They, you know, Vanderbilt did have some success in the run game on Saturday. So South Carolina's got to really be careful with that because once that happens and Auburn establishes the run in this system, then Bo Nix, some pressure gets off of him and he's hitting Schwartz and Williams and all those other guys and Malzahn gets really creative. So so South Carolina, you know, if I'm talking about keys to the game here on a Tuesday, which I don't like to do, but keys to the game here on a Tuesday, South Carolina – has to be aware of the run game and stop the run. They cannot let Tank Bigsby go for another buck 50 uh, in this football game. Uh, now, Auburn struggled to move it mightily against the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, I do think Georgia's defense is the best in the country. Uh, I think that on Saturday against Tennessee, Tennessee played a really good first half, uh, and then Georgia – you know, promptly beat him down in the second half. <laughs> uh, you know, that's that's how good Georgia's defense is. And, and Georgia's kind of got something working on offense now, too, with, you know, Stetson Bennett, the fourth, uh, and the receivers. You know, it, it's not a flashy O, but it's getting the job done. Um, so, you know, you, you kind of look at it like that. If, you know, you, there's some common opponents, commonality there, I guess, if you want to want to do it. Auburn's number 67 in the country. And I usually go through the team stats and all that later in the week, but uh, going to go ahead and get to them now. Uh, Auburn's 67th in the country uh, in total offense, 328.7 yards per game. Gamecocks defense is 18th in the country. They're giving up 330 yards per game. Um, Carolina's offense, 48th in the country, 397.7 yards per game. Uh, Auburn's defense is 49th, giving up 421 yards per game. And they did give up 437 against Arkansas. 
Uh, I'll say this too. I'm giving Felipe Franks a hard time, but I want to give him credit because he threw for 318 yards, four touchdowns and no picks for the Razorbacks against Auburn this past weekend. So uh, congratulations to Felipe Franks for having a really good game. Probably deserved a win, just to be honest. Uh, Like I said, Arkansas had 437 yards of total offense. Now, I'll say this too. On South Carolina's offense, uh, I think obviously at times this year, the best defense can be your offense because if you stay on the field, Auburn can't score. Um, Carolina is sixth in the country in time of possession right now. Um, and look, I, I know some people it frustrates, and it's the same folks that in 2016 hated uh, the defensive backs playing off the line of scrimmage and not knowing that that helps Carolina win football games. <laughs> uh, it's frustrating to watch. I know it's not massively entertaining. Uh, I know you want to see some deep shots down the field, but, you know, Carolina, you know, needs to stay on the field. Um, and I think they will take some some more chances uh, as they move on. And it's just, you know, when why are you going to drop back and chunk it 40 yards down the field when you have really one guy that's proven he can get open at times? I mean, I, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know. I think they're doing the right thing offensively and, you know, it, it's kind of nice. You know, I like it, you know, because you kind of they kind of just boom, 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 and they they don't have you know they don't have to punt a lot. And you know, Carolina's twenty third in the country in red zone offense. That's obviously something that's improved. Keep in mind, there's not one hundred and ten teams. You know, there's I think seventy five, seventy six right now. Um, that'll come when the Pac twelve, Big twelve, or Pac twelve, Big ten start. Um. I think that's good. And and I think, you know, the Gamecocks, when the opposing team gets to third down, you know, they're third in the country in third down defense. So how about that? Um, you know, that's that's been a problem around here for a while. Uh, seems like they've solved it, you know, when they get to third down. All right, Ernest Jones, uh, linebacker, starting middle linebacker for the Gamecocks, he's been playing really well. You know, he's fifth in the SEC in tackles right now. He's going to have to have a good game. If Ernest Jones does not play well Saturday, uh, I just – I don't like the Gamecocks' chances of, at victory too much. But the good thing about Ernest is, you know, you, you hear coaches talk all the time about eye discipline. He's got tremendous eye discipline, doesn't take a lot of false steps. He's a smart guy. He'll know his assignments. Uh, he's kind of the quarterback of the defense. Uh, and he's playing his butt off. You know, you, you don't you don't ever – look out there and see Ernest Jones loafing around. Uh, and you really don't see him. In fairness, a lot of the guys don't really loaf. They, they're kind of – it's kind of a good group. So, I think uh, I think Ernest Jones is going to be a key player on Saturday along with, you know, Enic Barre, Sterling, uh, whoever's on the D-line, uh, Birch, Jordan Birch, all that good stuff, all those guys to attack that offensive line. But Ernest Jones, I think – you know, that's a guy that I think's got um, got a chance to really have a good game Saturday, but he's going to have to be disciplined to do it just because of what Auburn presents to you offensively. Uh, obviously, the secondary has to continue to come on. Um, you know, Muschamp was asked about Izzy McQuamu in the second half. I would guess. Nah, well, wait, I, I'll, let, I'll let Will Muschamp 
talk about that later today because that I, I don't really know. Uh, I haven't checked, but that you know, I, I would imagine it's about the groin, you know, and they kind of sat him, but um, I, I don't know that for sure. So we'll see. See kind of how that happens uh, on Saturday. I, I do think John Dixon's playing pretty doggone good, you know. Uh, they were, I, guess, I guess he got turned around one or two times at, at Vandy, but, you know, Florida game, Vandy game, he, he's played well. Uh, I thought it was big that Cam Smith got that interception for his confidence. Um, J.C. Horn's obviously playing outstanding football right now. Jamie Robinson's good too. And uh, Shiloh Sanders. And, and and this gets me to the next topic. There are two guys I didn't really talk about after the Vandy game, but I want to get some love to. And that's Eric Douglas and Shiloh Sanders. I'll start with Shiloh. You know, he he played a lot against Vandy in the second half, flying around, tackling. Uh, looks good. You know, he, he's not as you know he's not the same style of player as his dad, but he's he's more physical than his dad was. Um, and he hadn't played a whole lot of football either, so he's going to get better and better and better. Uh, Shiloh Sanders, son of Dion, um, back there playing safety pretty well. You know, uh, R.J. Roderick was he played. You know, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully they don't pick on R.J. Roderick on Saturday, and if they do, he steps up. Um, but yeah, I thought Shiloh played really well. I forgot to mention him uh, both on the podcast and on my th- thoughts on thebigspur.com. But Eric Douglas right now is playing at a high level. You know. You, it's good when you don't hear about the center, you know, when you don't hear about it, you don't talk about the center, you know, it's bad when you have to talk about the center, because that means there's probably a bad snap. He's probably getting blown up on the inside, whatever, whatever. And uh, you know, this is why I think a lot of times, especially at certain positions, like the positions, like the offensive line, we don't need to write players off. You know, I think there's a tendency to do that. If they're not playing by their second year in the program, people are like, he's a bust. And that's just – that's not true. You could sample football programs across the country and know that that's just not true. Guys come on at different times. It's a developmental sport. It's a talent maximization game. Uh, and Eric Douglas, you know, struggled, quite frankly, last year against North Carolina when he started at guard – didn't really see a whole lot of action for the rest of the year. Uh, and then came to camp this year and won the starting center job going away. And he's playing great. And uh, I said I said this past offseason, I thought center may be his best spot. You know, maybe he's just not a guard. Or, and then they played him at tackle. So maybe he's not, you know, one of those guys. Maybe he is a center and he looks the part and he's playing really well. So I hope I don't jinx him <laughs> by giving Eric Douglas a shout out today. But he and Shiloh Sanders are two guys I wanted to kind of mention that I think are playing really, really well. Um, Kingsley and Igbari second in the SEC in sacks with three. There's a bunch of them tied with three. Uh, Bo Nix has been sacked seven times in three games. So a little over 1.2 or whatever per game. Um, I thought Enigbari could have a really good year. Uh, so far, so good in the pass rushing department for him. Uh, and then, you know, Kevin Harris. And, and look, Kevin Harris is going to, again, Kevin Harris, Shy Smith, Nick Muse, Colin Hill, you know, whoever else, Xavier Leggett, uh, whoever else on offense, Deshaun Fenwick, who's playing, I think Fenwick's playing pretty doggone good too. 
you know, those guys are going to have to to continue to play like they're playing. Um, because, again, sometimes the best defense against a team like Auburn uh, is your offense. And, and you stay on the field. And like I said, Carolina, six in the country in time of possession right now. And you stay on the field and you methodically drive it down and you score touchdowns uh, or field goals in the red zone, hopefully touchdowns. Uh, you've uh, you, you kind of limit their opportunities and then they're struggling anyway, you know. So they're they're not like an Auburn offense where you get up twenty one. You know, you're going to have to sit there and worry about it until seven minutes to go in the game. You know, and, and they have they have that kind of explosiveness at individual positions, but as a unit this year, you know that they they sort of are very explosive, if that makes any sense. Um, so, you know, I, I think that Carolina continuing to play like they've been playing on offense, go drive the ball down the field, get the first down, get the first down, get the first down, stay on the field, run the football. Um, I, I think that's the key, you know, and then you keep that uh, keep that group with, with all that potential at the skill positions on the sidelines. And I think that it, you know, it could wear down – a, a, a pretty good Auburn defense. Now, now these guys aren't world beaters like they used to be. You know, last year, Auburn's defense, the, people didn't talk about it a lot um, just because it was LSU, Bama, LSU, Bama, LSU, LSU. But they held LSU to 20, that LSU team to 23 points in Baton Rouge and could have won the football game. 23 to 20 was the final there. And then, of course, they had how many pick sixes against Bama? Three, two, two pick sixes. And they won the Iron Bowl, 48-45. So that was a special group. Um, and they lost a lot of guys. You know, I, I still think they're pretty good, to be honest. Um, 49th in the country, 421 yards per game is what they're giving up. You know, Georgia was able to do some things, though, against Auburn's defense in that game that I, you know, I, I like that for the game, you know, let me see how I phrase this. I, I like that for what the Gamecocks could possibly do offensively this weekend. Um, I really do. So, you know, that that's that's that group. But that group still has a lot of talent. You know, let, let's not let's not sit here and kid ourselves that, that, that Auburn's got a bunch of scrubs on defense or whatever, that Kevin Steele's forgotten how to coordinate a defense. You know, let's just uh, – let's eliminate that thought process right now. So Carolina's going to have to play good. Gamecocks offensive line, I think, can can have a good game, uh, and all the skill guys I mentioned earlier. Shai Smith third in the SEC in receptions, by the way, with twenty six. Only had four against Vanderbilt after ten and twelve, so we'll see kind of how all that works uh, moving forward. But the Gamecocks uh, kick off noon uh, at home, Williams Bryce Stadium, first game at Williams Bryce since uh, the Tennessee opener. Uh, I'm sure the Gamecocks will have a good crowd there because, you know, in that Tennessee game, it sounded pretty loud, <laughs> at least on TV. The few of you that were there, you know, it sounded pretty loud. Um, and I think Carolina's going to need uh, some sort of advantage this weekend uh, at Williams-Price. But that uh, that's the deal there. Auburn's a three-point favorite heading into the game. Um, and uh, the game's on ESPN. So, Hopefully you guys will watch it. All right, the mailbag. 
how to get on the mailbag. And I haven't checked. We may not even have any mailbag questions today. I'm hopeful that we do. But um, the uh, the mailbag, you can get to the mailbag. And I'm off today for some reason, guys. I, I don't know why. I'm just blah, 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 blah. Um, the mailbag, you email inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. Or you can tweet to at the Big Spur Pod, and that's good. Um, and yeah, we got a lot of mailbag questions. So here's what we'll rock and roll with. Uh, Spence emails in. He says, uh, "JC, happy Monday, sir." So obviously, this came in yesterday. Two questions: Do you think Muschamp could sort of evolve to more of a CEO role, a la Dabo? The reason I say this is he does an excellent job running a program, managing Sunday through Friday actions as a solid recruiter and focuses on the things he's good at. What he's not good at is micromanaging, game day management, offensive approach, and defensive scheme that's clearly over-engineered. I think he'd be wise to move to this. Do I think he has a level of personal insight and awareness? Uh, so I don't think it'll happen, but I'm hopeful. Um, I... Uh, I'll say this. I think um, I think that's tough for a guy like Will Muschamp to do. Uh, you know, I don't ever see him not coaching special teams, for example. And he's really done a good job, you know, even when Coleman Huntsler was there, he was heavily involved coaching special teams. Uh, I don't really ever see him not – being involved with the defense to some extent. You know, I, I think that's just kind of what he is. Now, it, it, it's a myth that he meddles in the offense. You know, it, it, you would think over these years, since he's been at Carolina and Florida both, with all the people that everybody talks to and all the people we all know and all the people I've talked to that's co- I've coached with him, that know him, that coach with him now, that's played, that played for him, all this other stuff, all, you know, a, a litany of players and coaches that have firsthand knowledge. You'd think that somebody somewhere would have said, yes, he meddles with the offense and needs to leave the offensive coordinator alone. And I've heard that none, not from anybody. And, and I've asked two or three times. So, so you would think that, if that were the case, somebody somewhere through nine years of coaching would have said it. And that's why I say it's a myth. And I know it's frustrating because, you know, you, you look at things and, you know, the situation with the clock the other day, uh, and, and, you know, he, he may make suggestions or something, you know, as far as, Hey, uh, you know, this looks like it may work or something like that, but it's, it's very rarely during the course of a game. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know. I think he kind of is a CEO right now. Um, now, you want to talk about the defensive scheme being over-engineered? There is a school of thought that it is. Um, but he's a good enough defensive coach, and so is Travis Robinson, to where they could easily simplify. Easily. Um, and, and quite frankly, uh, that could be an explanation, and I'm not saying it is, but that could be an explanation as to why you have guys that – play at Carolina like Keyshawn Nixon and Rashad Fenton that go to the NFL and make rosters. Uh, Taylor Stallworth had him in there because they're ready to go play at that level because they're experienced and they, they know what to do. You know, NFL, you know, they're not going to, they're not going to mess around and pay you if you don't know your assignments and the schemes in the NFL 
are much more complex defensively than they are in college. Uh, and I think offense is getting that way. You know, I, I think for a while, offense looked like fun in college and boring in the NFL. And I think the NFL guys have said, okay, and they've taken some collegiate concepts and morphed them with the complexity of a pro-style deal. And that's why you have things like the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, that's why they're going up and down the field. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know. A la Dabo, I, I don't – I think he's different than Dabo. So, I mean, uh, I think you could I, – I don't think you're wrong about the defense and stuff like that. Um, and certainly, you know, when you talk about game day management, when you lose and you go for a field goal late instead of going forward on fourth and 12 – uh, and you lose by four, you're going to get questioned on that. When you lose by two touchdowns, you're firing at the end zone at the end, and you've, you've ran eight minutes off the clock, you're going to get questioned about that, and everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. So I'll, I, I'll get it there. i get it. Question two, I'm not sure if you believe it or not, but does he'll have an NFL arm? I know he sure says so, but you believe it. Well, Will Muschamp said it. Uh, people on the broadcast have said it. I don't see it having rewatched several games. Thoughts? I don't think, by the way, it's necessary to win at this level. No, it's not. But, I, you know, you watch the, the the changing in speeds and the accuracy with which he throws the ball, and everybody wants to talk about Colin Hill, about, oh, he doesn't throw it down the field. Well, he's not calling the plays. They're, they're calling plays uh, to get people open and make first downs and generate offense. You know, you know, if you go back to a set, you know, you drop back, throw it deep. Everybody in the stadium knows it's probably going to Shy Smith or someone, you know, and, and that's just kind of not what they are this year personnel wise. But if you go back and look at Colorado state, he throws a great deep ball. If you go back and, you know, talk to Todd Ellis, who saw practice over the summer, he said, Colin Hill throws as good a deep ball as anybody in the program since Anthony Wright. You know, so you combine that with obviously his accuracy on short passes and, and the way he can change speeds and velocity and where he puts the football. And I think he does have an NFL arm. As far as the NFL goes, people misunderstand that because the NFL is like a buzzword. So people misunderstand it. I said on the bigspur.com, I said, if Colin makes it through this year, he's probably going to the NFL because the guys had three ACLs. Um, he was getting attention from pro scouts at Colorado State. He's gotten attention from pro scouts at South Carolina. Even if you're an undrafted free agent, you make it through the season, the time is now, you know. And uh, I'm not saying that's for sure, that he wouldn't come back next year, but I would be really surprised. And that's why I said he's just going to go take a shot at the NFL. You know, it's no different than Victor Hampton or Kelsey Quarles. Uh, and and, and it's, it has everything to do with his injury situation, right? Um, and and so yeah, you know, I, I think he does have an NFL arm. I, I think that, uh, and I agree, it's not necessary to win at the college level, but I think it's good. And you watch you watch the accuracy. And, and look, he's not perfect. I mean, people people said that about Jake Bentley. You know, Jake Bentley throwing an incompletion, he sucks. Uh, and I don't know what it is about quarterbacks, and, and it's kind of funny. Because Ryan Halinski would do it, and everybody would be like, oh, he's a freshman. And it's probably because he was a freshman, you know. Uh, I think if Ryan were starting now 
And if he were, things were probably not going, probably would be bad on offense. Um, and I, I say that with the greatest respect for Ryan, but this is a situation, like I said, where you, you have to have a guy that's making decisions and running the system for Carolina to, to do what they need to do on offense this year. And if Ryan's not ready, he's not ready. It's going to be a disaster. Uh, but I think, I think Holinsky would take some criticism this year. And, and, and it's kind of bad because, you know, it used to be the players were off limits and, you know, they, they, I'd kind of wonder sometimes I'd be like, well, you know, this, this player here is not playing worth a damn, <laughs> you know, <laughs> excuse my language. And, you know, and they have a terrible attitude and, and everybody's blaming the coaches. Uh, and that's, that's, that's not cool either, but, um, you know, nowadays it's, it's, it's the coaches and the quarterback. People think the quarterback's the starting pitcher. They like to mention the record, you know, three and eight. Uh, and that's fine. That That's because Connor Shaw, everybody talked about his record. You always revert back to when you were good. I get it. I understand. Um, but I, I would encourage people, you know, not to live in the past sometimes. But yeah, I, I think that, and, and when I say arm talent, that doesn't always mean a howitzer. That doesn't mean you're going to be like Ryan Mallett or Matthew Stafford and be able to knock somebody's head off with the balls. That means, you know, you're getting it in there with enough velocity when you need to. Um, you know, he's not, you know, like Chris Smelly was really a guy that did not put a lot on it when he played at Carolina. Um, so that's, the, the, Colin Hill is not that. I mean, uh, some people kind of think that because there are some touch passes and short passes he's got to throw, but that's that's not him. You know, he wouldn't – Carolina would not be moving the ball if it weren't for Hill's arm. Uh, so I appreciate it, Spence, as always. Thank you, brother. All right, Ian. Ian in Boston, Beantown. How about that? I am a Carolina grad living in Boston, J.C., Lots of Gamecock love up here with Gilmore and Bird on the Patriots, and the Red Sox fan base has fallen in love with Jackie Bradley Jr. I love the podcast. It's a great listen, and after a win, it's much better. I've been very impressed with Colin Hill and Coach Bobo. Pretty incredible what they've been able to do with the lack of production at wide receiver. Leggett's been getting open, but he can't seem to catch the ball. Muse is another one who is getting open, but dropping the ball. Yeah, Muse, Muse turned it around a little bit the other day, and Leggett, Leggett's getting there. Leggett's getting there. Tough catch early for Leggett. Um, I think we can beat Auburn this week, but need production for more than Shai Smith at receiver. Can you break down what you see happening with our receivers? And do you expect anyone to step up in that two or three spot? Any chance Brooks gets eligible or has that ship sailed? Keep up the great work, Ian in Boston. Well, Ian in Boston, uh, Brooks has not been denied yet, but it's just not looking good. Um, and that stinks. I mean, you know, you're talking about a year – where everybody's getting eligible. The NCAA earlier today, the story broke that, you know, they're going to give everybody a free transfer coming up. And, uh, yeah, so free agency is hitting major college athletics. Uh, and so to me, making Jalen Brooks sit out is, is, a, is pathetic. Um, awful. Terrible. If, if that ends up being the case. And, you know, I, I, I don't know why it's taken this long, you know, uh, to get a definitive a answer, but they, you know, m making this kid sit out sucks, okay? You know, especially when you're, you're going to start giving – like as of next year, everybody's getting eligible right away with a transfer, one-time transfer rule. So, I don't know. Now, Brooks did transfer twice, so maybe, maybe they're – 
you know, applying that. But I, I, I think it's just uh, it's terrible. As far as the receiver stepping up, I thought Joiner scoring on that reverse was big for him, confidence wise. Uh, so there's a guy, Rico Powers, who we heard some from against Florida and didn't really didn't really have a lot against Vandy. Uh, you know, there's always Luke Doty, but you know, <laughs> there seems to be the the question about playing quarterback and all that. Um, so yeah, Kevion Mullins at tight end, maybe, you know, we'll see kind of how all that works, but if they could get a, like I said last week, it doesn't take but one or two more guys, you know, one or two more guys step up. It's fine. Josh Van, heck shoot. If he can be productive, he called a pass the other day. So, so we'll see kind of what happens there. Ian, Stay warm up there in Boston. Certainly appreciate you listening to the podcast. Noah, frequent member of the Inside the Gamecast podcast inbox here, uh, the mailbag. JC, enjoying the podcast as a Carolina's Panthers fan. I've watched former Gamecock Mike Davis. He's played really well in place of McCaffrey the last two weeks. Have you watched him? Do you think he'll finally stick somewhere? Thanks, Noah. Yeah, and I think Mike – has always been pretty good. I think the better he plays this year, the more chances he will get. And also, yeah, he's not going to command like a ridiculous amount of money. You know, he's going to want more than he's making, obviously. And a lot of lot of teams will go and sign a running back like Mike and ride him for a couple of years and then draft a guy. Running back's a, a pretty interesting position in the NFL. The value, unless you're just like outstanding, is just not there for some guys. So – um. Yeah. So I, I think I think Mike Davis could latch on and uh, stick and, and have two or three years, and then by then it'll be in the league ten years or so. Probably get tired of being hit, and he can go count his millions. So yeah, Mike Davis has always been a really talented guy. I remember when I watched him. Um, my old colleague Jerry Hamilton and I watched him at the Army All American Bowl one year in San Antonio, and. We thought the Gamecocks were getting him, but we didn't know for sure. And, man, he had a great week. And I was like, man, this guy's just a natural runner. Uh, and certainly, you know, he's he's been playing well. 149 yards against the Falcons. You can't – against any team in the NFL, you go for a buck 50. That's pretty good. All right. Dr. Rob, JC, thanks as always for bringing an informative and entertaining podcast. This podcast – JC and Morgan podcast and the other others you have recommended are saving me from the orange tongued radio blowhards in the upstate. I owe you big time. Yeah. The upstate for Carolina people's tough. I mean, it, it, it is, it, it's, it's, and I don't, under, I don't understand it because from a business standpoint, you know, yes, there are more Clemson people, especially in Greenville County, but you know, I used to work for, Way, 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 way back in the day, the Anderson Independent Mail newspaper, and they did some data research, and there's actually more South Carolina graduates that live uh, in Anderson County than Clemson graduates. There's more Clemson fans, obviously. Uh, but e- even way back when I was a kid, you know, I had to hold the – to listen to Carolina broadcast uh, for football and especially basketball. I had to, like – put tinfoil on my radio and hang my arm out the window. And I mean, it's, it's just, you know, meanwhile, Clemson has this beautiful FM signal. Um, and look, there's some guys up there that I have a great respect for that work in radio. And then some guys that 
I, I understand where you're coming from. So, and I, and I look, I enjoyed my time when I had the daily, daily show with Greg McKinney uh, on ESPN upstate, a lot of good people that work in that building or that, you know, don't really work in that building now because everybody's at home for COVID, but yeah, it's just one of those things. All right. Two questions. What are the position matchups where Carolina has an advantage over Auburn? All right. So I'll answer this one first. I think Carolina's D-line versus Auburn's offensive line is an advantage. Uh, I think I think Carolina – how do I put this? Because you just don't go, oh, Carolina's receivers. You know, I, I think Carolina's offensive scheme versus Auburn's secondary is an advantage. How about that? Um, Auburn, I think – Auburn receivers versus Carolina's secondary is probably even. Um Bo Nix versus Colin Hill is probably even. Uh, Auburn running backs, I would give the edge to them from a talent standpoint. But, you know, Kevin Harris is Kevin Harris, and he's playing well, and so is Fenwick. So, you know, close to even, slight advantage to Auburn. Um, And that's kind of off the top of my head uh, right now. But the biggest thing is South Carolina's got a chance on both lines of scrimmage to, I think, really get some things done. Also, among the commitments South Carolina has, who has the biggest upside and the potential to be a true diamond in the rough? Thanks again for all you do. If I just think about it, about John Darius Morgan, the offensive lineman from Birmingham, I really like that kid. I think he's a guy that, you know, you look at Auburn's offensive line and you're like, huh, <laughs> why aren't they going on this kid? He's right up there in Birmingham. So, uh, I think of all the guys you think down at the bottom of that commit list with the, you know, the, the ratings or whatever, you know, that's kind of what I'd go with there. Dr. Rob, thank you. Thank you for continuing to listen. We actually will have a JC and Morgan uh, out later this afternoon. So certainly look forward to you listening to that. And I appreciate the mailbag questions. All right. Derek says, JC, thanks for all you do for my seat. It looks like Chad Morris has been less than impressive in his new role on the Plains. With him being a former Tiger coach and headed to Columbia on Saturday, it seems, seems to me for the perfect time for him, Bo and Gus to figure all out, figure it all out, taught me off the ledge. I think you're going to see some, some things, you know, I, I think you'll see some things from Auburn Saturday. They got a, you know, they struggled mightily against Arkansas. But they don't, they don't want to come in and lose. Um, their top 15 team and they hadn't really looked like it all year. Uh, I don't, I don't know that going against South Carolina specifically uh, is going to matter for Chad Morris. He's been gone for a while, but you know, I, I I think you're going to see some things. I think you'll see some interesting exotic formations and things like that. Like that's why I said, eye discipline is very important. Um, and yeah, there's always the possibility to figure it all out against the Gamecocks and win the game. And that would be unfortunate because I think this is, this is a, and I was asked yesterday, is this another inflection point? It, it, it is and it isn't. It is from the sense that, okay, you go beat Auburn. You're two and two. You're going to LSU to take your shot. Um, and look, everybody thinks LSU sucks. Um, and look, they may, you know, we'll see kind of, what happens? I said at the beginning of the year, everybody wants to just look at LSU's recruiting rankings and say, it doesn't matter if they lost 36 guys. They have all these five stars. Yeah, but, they, you know, it takes it takes more than, you know, 
10 or 11 players to play football, you know, and I think we're finding that out. And I think Bo Pelini was probably a bad hire um, on defense. But, you know, you go to LSU, you take your shot. Then you got A&M, you take your shot there, and you got Ole Miss. Um, you go one and three after this one, that's another letdown. You know, I think people, if game, the Gamecocks win this weekend – and I'm not saying people will jump back on the bandwagon because there's a group that they're not going to be happy unless Will Muschamp gets to Atlanta and maybe not even then. Um, and that's fine. You know, it's good to have standards. Uh, but I, I think the enthusiasm will come back a little bit because, you know, that 0-2 start was just a disaster. People are sick of losing. I mean, you know, Carolina's now 4-12 and in their last 16 against the Power 5, and two of those wins are against Vanderbilt. You know, so – at some point, Gamecock fans need a win, something tangible to look toward and say, hey, there's progress, you know. And and even though, you know, in the Tennessee and Florida game, there were some individual guys that you look at and you go, wow, you know, that's, that guy's making progress. You know, he's, he's, he's playing better. It's hard to see that when when you're losing, you know, because quite frankly, you just don't care. Who cares? Didn't win the game. Um, and so I think with the fans, you know, this is a big one this weekend. It's, it's one that, you know, can kind of first and foremost, it it gets the Auburn narrative off of you and you're recruiting against them a lot. I'm sure they always say that we've never lost to South Carolina down there. Uh, you know, you, you win against a team you hadn't beaten since the thirties. That's always nice to do. Um, and it gives you some momentum going into a stretch where, it looks daunting from a a name standpoint, you know. Oh, Texas A&M, never beaten them. Oh, Auburn, oh, LSU, Ole Miss. But it's not – I mean, these teams are flawed. And, and, and whether or not they beat South Carolina, these teams are always going to be flawed this year. So I think it's an opportunity. I don't know how much better Auburn is than Tennessee right now. Uh, I, I would say they're probably about even. So you almost beat Tennessee at home. Should have, should have won that one. So here's your here's your other opportunity to make up for it. Um, and I think a lot of people too were probably like, well, they could beat Tennessee and lose to Auburn and still start two and two. So anyway, thank you so much, Derek, for the question, Mitchell. First time I think this is a first time uh, first time emailer. Wait a minute. No, no, no. Mitchell is back. JC, this is Mitchell back for another question for the podcast after watching the Vanderbilt game on Saturday and looking at the schedule for the rest of the season with the exception of Georgia. You think it's possible that the Gamecocks could win their next six out of seven and finish with a seven and three record? I know it may seem like a long shot, but Ole Miss has no defense. That's true. People, people need to stop quaking in their boots about Ole Miss. I mean, what they did against Bama is very impressive. Uh, Really, they have an impressive offense. But uh, let, let's just be honest, they gave up 559 yards to a Kentucky offense that's, you know, not very good. <laughs> um, he says Kentucky's offense is struggling. Yes, it is. Uh, in South Carolina, Kentucky will be an interesting game because, you know, South Carolina can probably play Kentucky's game. You know, that's kind of what they're doing. You know, run the ball, pick your spots call good plays, play defense. And South Carolina's a better program than Missouri. I agree. Um, I think Carolina 
will be, you know, depending on what's going on now, <laughs> you know, you're, you're sitting there at one and five and Missouri comes in, they may, they may beat you. But um, South Carolina's a better program than Missouri. I agree. As for Texas A&M, LSU, and Auburn, I know the Gamecocks are a combined 334 and two all time against those teams. Yes, they are. But since this is an odd year, I think the Gamecocks could beat all three of them since LSU has no defense. A&M has no weapons for Kellen Mon and Auburn's offensive line is terrible. Now, I wouldn't say A&M has no weapons. I think Isaiah Spiller is going to be good. And some of those receivers are really coming on against Florida. You know, they beat the, the Gators. But I, I agree with your assessment of most of these things. I, I don't know what's happened to LSU's defense. I, uh, yeah, I, I have my suspicions, but, uh, you know, we'll see. Now, that game is down there. The A&M game, uh, you know, if I, if I had to point to one where I'd say, eh, I don't know about that one, talent to talent, it would be that. And Auburn's offensive line it has not been stellar at all. Keep in mind Vander's to Vanderbilt's bad, though. You know, keep in mind Vanderbilt's bad. And I, and I think, too, Mitchell, you know, the, the reason, like, what you say is, 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 is hopeful here and, and there's some legitimacy to it is – it's not like Carolina got blown out by Tennessee and blown out by Florida. And then they went and whipped Vanderbilt. And so everybody's like, they've arrived. You know, there were some good moments and some positive things that came out against Tennessee and Florida. It's just, they lost. And so nobody wants to talk about it. So I think it's plausible what you're saying again, inside the game at gmail.com inside the game at gmail.com. If you want to get in on the mailbag, certainly would love for you to do it. Uh, or you can tweet to at the Big Spur Pod. Uh, obviously, just go and at the Big Spur Pod. So, you know, we'll see uh, how many we get tomorrow. Certainly appreciate all of you guys that have left the five-star review on Apple Pods. Please keep it coming. We're trying to get to 1,000 by the end of the year. We're getting there. I see new ones every day, and I certainly appreciate it. Be sure, you know, to check out the uh, – TheBigSpur.com, you can join now for a dollar, and that will be awesome. Uh, We love to have you there. We love to talk uh, about the Gamecocks every day. I'm available there on the message board to answer questions in real time. I certainly encourage all of you guys to go over there and do that. All right, all the time we have for today on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Uh, Don't forget, Will Muschamp's got his press conference today. If there's any massive breaking news, we'll probably have an emergency podcast. But uh, if not, we'll be back tomorrow with all the news and notes and things like that as we chug on toward the weekend and Auburn coming to town uh, for the Gamecocks' second home game of the 2020 season. This is J.C. Sherbert. Have a great day.